This is the Oanda Podcast. Brought to you by Jazz FM's Business Breakfast. You're listening to the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, where each week we preview the big stories set to make the business and market headlines. And it's welcome back to Oanda Senior Market Analyst Craig Earlham. How are you doing? I'm really good, mate. How are you? Very good, thank you. We have a packed few days to look ahead to. Let's start with Super Thursday and those Bank of England announcements. Yeah, Super Thursday uh, is sometimes a bit overstated. It's called Super Thursday because we get not just the interest rate decision, but we also get minutes. We get a press conference with Mark Carney and his colleagues. We get new economic projections. But obviously, the last couple maybe have been a little bit boring because we've had Brexit to contend with. So the Bank of England's kind of wanted to stay in the shadows, really, and not draw too much attention to itself. It hasn't wanted to actually make any bold choices for fear that we could get a bad Brexit and they'd have to go back on these choices. Whereas now Brexit has been extended. It's flexible, of course, but it's been extended. So the Bank of England really has a choice to make. Does it go on despite Brexit and stick by the no deal is unlikely and we have to go along that route because we can't just put off policy decisions forever? Or does it hold off a little bit longer and see if something gets resolved before the EU elections? Because ultimately, that's kind of really the acid test now of are we going to have a quick exit or are we going to actually go right up to Halloween? So it is going to be interesting what they've got to say here. They've also got against a backdrop as well where other central banks aren't doing anything, right? Other central banks have become far more dovish. A couple more central banks this week have joined with the Bank of Japan and Bank of Canada very much falling back in line. So the Bank of England's a really interesting one. It's the only central bank, really, that I could see potentially raising interest rates this year. And apparently there is a 24% chance of a rate hike this year. That's a strange figure to come up with. How do they work that out? So it's usually based on the futures pricing. They draw percentages. They draw probabilities from that. So markets are effectively pricing in a 24% chance of a rate hike this year and a 40% chance by August next year. I still think that's pretty low, but I think central banks around the globe right now, probabilities are very low and we'll come to the Fed shortly. And that's a prime example of that. It's interesting because the Bank of England has clearly shown a willingness and a desire to raise interest rates previously. But they've just not really felt like they've had the opportunity to pursue it, to get us above 1%, to get us to more sustainable levels. And levels, let's face it, for all we want to complain about the strength of the economy, and it has been weaker post the referendum, we are still in an environment where unemployment is very low. We are still in an environment where wages are rising, where inflation is on target. It's very reasonable to think that interest rates should be rising. The only risk, of course, is Brexit. But, I mean... What if Brexit is delayed again? Do you continue to delay making decisions until Brexit is resolved? And I think the Bank of England may take a stance at this meeting and potentially could suggest that they're going to go on regardless of Brexit. And of course, there is a threat of a a European, if not global, recession uh, looming in the next 12 months as well. So they've got to be careful not to hike anything too soon. I mean, there always is, though, isn't there? We're a decade on from the global financial crisis. A recession is due you could say that that's based on historic trends we are obviously in the midst of a slowdown right now which is why central banks have taken the action that they have but again do you always make these uh, make your judgments based on the fear that something could change i still think the economy is strong and that has to factor into this all the central banks have kind of taken a step back having made decisions previously the bank of england hasn't really been making decisions uh, and therefore i do think it is afforded the opportunity to do so then again like i said they may just take the same stance as the central banks and decide we can wait 
six months and see where we lie. I think markets are overreacting and I think people are overreacting at the moment. Famous last words, of course, but I think people are overreacting to some weaker data and risks that may not materialise. As you said, difficult to make a decision with Brexit still so uncertain and staying on that subject on Wednesday. We're going to see the Prime Minister, Theresa May, how much longer she's going to be the PM for. Who knows, maybe weeks, uh, if not months. And she's going to be questioned by MPs. Yeah, so she's going to be questioned about the progress that's being made on Brexit. I don't really know what we can expect to come from this, but I'm just glad there's not going to be any votes, to be honest. I've really enjoyed this last two weeks. <laughs> yeah, it's been a, um, been a, a well-earned rest and break for oh, everybody. It's really, been hasn't it? lovely, hasn't it? The weather's been better. People have been happier. No one's been talking about Brexit. Everyone's been finding something else to talk about. It's been wonderful. Your team are in the Champions League semi-finals. My team are in the Champions League semi-finals. We're still on potentially for the league, but we could also finish on 97 points and get nothing. So yeah. got fingers crossed, toes crossed. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm Taking you off the subject there, haven't I? You've, you've, we you've, have. You've lost your concentration. Onto a happier subject than Brexit. <laughs> I mean, how yeah. dare you? So, yeah, I mean, I just I don't really know what we can expect from this. We're also in a situation whereby the Conservative Park government is negotiating with Labour to try and find a cross-party solution. But then, as we've suggested before, how much... Um, how, how seriously are these talks being taken? Because no one's removing any one red minute, lines. Craig, it almost no, feels like no. both sides don't want to be the ones to collapse these talks and be blamed for these talks collapsing. So they're both kind of talking up how well they're going while not actually getting anywhere and not... Uh, it's grandstanding, really, isn't it? Exactly. And that could go on for as long as you want it to go on, really. That could go on for the next month. So, yeah, I don't think there's too much to come from Wednesday. Just basically a reminder that Brexit is still happening and that these that decisions have to be made. I think there's a lot more focus now on these EU elections in May. We've seen the Brexit party putting forward candidates. We've seen the... Uh, the what I mean, what do we even call them anymore? Change UK, the independent group. I'm sure they'll have another name shortly, putting forward candidates as well. I think this is the next thing that we are contending with. I just, how, how are we going to get something through before then? Let's um, cross the Atlantic and go to the United States because uh, plenty going on in the next few days over there. Should we start with the China trade talks? They're actually in Beijing and they start on Tuesday. There was a fairly uh, positive mood before Easter. Is that still the case as we enter these talks? Yeah, it's still the case. There are still the nitty-gritty details to iron out and um, the implementation and uh, what happens with tariffs and what happens if if one side or the other uh, reneges on any of the uh, agreements and what happens then. So there is still these finer details to be worked out. I don't think they're particularly interesting details and therefore that's why people aren't necessarily talking about them. I think now it's just a matter of time you, it would at least appear before an agreement's reached. There is no meeting still between Trump and President Xi planned uh, but I, I imagine we could be looking at may or june for that to happen and then we can that's one massive hurdle overcome in the u.s we also have the fed decision on wednesday now obviously there's not going to be any rate hike announced the question is when it is likely if not in 2019 reuters say there's not percent chance of a hike this year and actually there's a, a quite a high chance of a cut yeah, it's staggering. This week is amazing. This is this is what annoys me about the, about the markets at times. Sometimes we're really looking for things to talk about on these podcasts, and in other weeks we have everything to talk about all in one go. I really wish they'd spread these out a bit more so that we can. There's like they're Plenty not thinking. It's like they're not yeah. thinking about us. Um. So yeah, they, they, <laughs> it's all about you. Craig. It's honestly, then my weeks need to be more interesting at times and less interesting on others. The yeah, the Fed meeting on Wednesday. 
it is going to be interesting for the simple reason that I think markets are really overreacting, as I've already stated right now. As you've just alluded to, a 0% chance of a rate hike this year and a 68% chance of a cut. And I have a feeling that that's actually risen since uh, the release of the GDP data, which happened while we've been on air. Uh, and the, the GDP data show growth in the first quarter of 3.2%, ahead of expectations of 2.2% on an annualized basis. And yet, we're just... There seems to be this stubborn uh, belief that we're, 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 that something awful is happening. Now, don't get me wrong. Again, this could be famous last words, and these things tend to be hard to spot in the early stages while markets are starting to price them in. So maybe something will materialize. But a 68% chance of a rate cut at a time when the US is at maximum employment and the economy is growing at 3% annualized in the first quarter seems ridiculous. Um, maybe they, maybe that will change over the coming months. I've, 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 said, I've said plenty of times, if memory serves me right, the first quarter is always weak. For some reason, there's so much pessimism in, in the first quarter. Like, are people just a bit more depressed after the holiday season and therefore a lot more pessimistic? And as the mm. year goes on and the sun arrives, they become a little bit more optimistic and the data start to justify it. I don't know. But there is that feeling of unnecessary pessimism right now. And unfortunately, those things can actually become self-fulfilling as well. We've also, of course, got non-farm payroll on Friday with the US jobs report. It's been a bit of an up and down year so far when it comes to the labour market. What are markets expecting this time around? Yeah, so the government shutdown really did play havoc with the data, I think it's safe to say at this point. But it has stabilised now. Um, unemployment is expected to be remain at 3.8%. No shock there. Job growth of around 180,000 based on a Reuters survey. Um, that's slightly shy of the 196 that we saw last month. But again, still very strong figures, which point to a very, very tight labor market. And wages are expected to have risen by 3.4%, which again is slightly higher than what we had last month, but in line with what we were seeing before. So again, really, really good data from the US, which again, which when, we, when you add that to what we're about to talk to next being earnings season, it, it really does amaze me why people are so pessimistic. And again, maybe I'm missing something and maybe, um, the, may, may, maybe the markets are accurately pricing and we should be prepared for darker days ahead. But the data that we're seeing there looks really encouraging. The data we've had today is really encouraging. And earnings season is going much better than people expected and that's the next thing we're going to talk about i think indeed we are so many of the, the big guns are out with earnings and in, in the next few days we've got apple alphabet samsung to name but a few which ones stick out i suppose the the tech ones yeah, so there's around a third of the uh, of the S&P 500 is reporting earnings next week. So again, massive, massive week around uh, half a dozen, five Dow companies uh, of the 30. So again, some big hitters there. Apple, you've just mentioned, mm -hmm. is going to be a really interesting one because we remember at the end of last year, they decided to stop reporting the number of iPhones that they were selling because they're obviously now worried that that's on the decline. There was a number of reasons why they've done, why they think it's on the decline. One is because these phones are now more expensive than they've ever been before and therefore people are going be less inclined to want to upgrade as often as they have they suggested that the batteries that they replaced in some of those uh, faulty handsets um, will have affected sales of new iphones as well and they also want to put more of a focus on the services side of the business which grew rapidly in the previous reporting uh, uh quarter so there's a lot there's going to be a lot of emphasis on apple and apple this is a stock which has actually rallied really strongly in the first quarter the market as a whole is actually up quite a bit in this first quarter but apple i think is up around 30 percent um since the bot since the lows of the end of last year so 
there's going to be a lot of attention on that. Alphabet is another one where we've um, we we've seen uh, a lot of. Obviously, it's a major one of the major tech company, one of the, the Fang stocks. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of uh, emphasis on that and the cloud report, the cloud part of the business as well. Uh, the expenditure because capex increased, and also we've got, we we sometimes forget as well the fines that were levied against them by the EU. The third set of fines that we had levied against them against uh, by the EU, taking what is it around nine billion now in total over the last few years. Hope maybe that will be the end of these things, but what impact does that have on on the bottom line? Ultimately, it's obviously a small number by comparison to the revenue levels. There's a number of facets, I guess, to the al- alphabet earnings which we tend to focus on, and that's just the US. Yeah. We're now heading into Europe as well. Yeah, UK uh, earnings as well. Sainsbury's, BP, Shell, HSBC, all up there. Yeah, BP, Royal Dutch Shell are the ones that really stand out for me here because. Oil prices are so volatile. Again, they bottomed out at the back end of last year. I wonder what that, what impact that's going to have on first quarter earnings. Maybe that's entirely baked in at this stage. And the fact that oil prices have rallied and are back at around $70, $75 a barrel means that investors aren't too concerned about the fact that you may have a weaker set of first quarter earnings compared to a year ago. And instead of more focused on the outlook, does Royal Dutch Shell and BP forecast prices to remain at these levels or higher? And therefore, what impact will that have on future results? Probably more interesting rather than one single quarter blips because of sudden price shocks so yeah they're going to be really interesting sainsbury's again we've just come on the back of a week that's been really interesting for sainsbury's over here the 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 tour the the merger with as this collapsed because the, the competition and markets authority blocked it that's that's massive for sainsbury's because this is a company that's getting making headlines for all the wrong reasons because of it, it can't it's not making the recovery that tesco maybe has and because the challenge that it's receiving from little and uh, and and Aldi, from a price perspective, meaning they're eating into market share. We the the tie up with Asda was meant to resolve part of this. It was meant to mean that size wise, it was on, on on a footing with with Tesco. And from a price perspective, they were thinking they could. I think they were going to cut price by around ten percent because the, the 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 merger offered it that opportunity, so it could compete with the other end. So now it's not just about these quarterly results, which may not be that great for Sainsbury's. It's also about what's their next plan. What are they going to do now that this has been blocked? So again. It all seems to be happening in the same week, but on everywhere you look, it's a really interesting week. And the Spanish elections on Sunday, there's no majority expected. The socialists currently lead in the polls. What sort of effect uh, could that election have on the rest of Europe? So I don't necessarily think it's going to have much an effect on the rest of Europe, but this is... Spanish politics is relatively uh, has been relatively unstable in recent years. It's safe to say, we rarely get a majority government over there. In I think in the last eleven, there's probably been three or four majority governments. So really, it's really is uncommon. Um, it's a it's a question of just how well some of these parties are going to do in the polls. We've got a far right party that's expected to take around ten percent of the vote. Um, it, it's a, are we going to see enough vote enough a share of the vote for the socialists and Podemos, the far left party, um, to form a, to form a coalition government or they're gonna to have to start reaching out to some of these smaller parties again in in order to get that majority in parliament so it is going to be an interesting one i don't think it, see it being something where we can spread around it just may mean weeks and weeks of talks between these parties trying to form uh, a coalition government and actually govern and agree on a budget to be taken forward because ultimately that's something that they've struggled to do and finally craig it is golden week in japan for anybody who doesn't know what that means what does that entail well, it means it's a long bank holiday, effectively, and markets are shut across uh, Japan. Now, I think it's from is it 11 days, it lasts six working days, Monday yeah. through Monday. But what impact that has on a market's perspective, which 
with all due respect, obviously we're here in the UK, that's what we are focusing on, is that low, very low liquidity. Um, and we've seen that we had a price shock in the yen um, a few months back, um, which was caused in low liquid markets. So I think people are really um, aware of the fact that, I'm not necessarily saying there's high potential, but people are, are very cautious um, and almost um, aware that there is potential for it because of the low liquidity levels because it's an, a longer week as well um, I think that's because the uh, emperor has abdicated and we, we, we get a new emperor and therefore they've extended the holiday because of an extra bank holiday because of that it means that we've got a prolonged period when there is potential for a shock uh, and I think that's something people should be aware of when you're trading these instruments when you're trading the yen for example because these shocks yes they may work in your favor and make you a lot of money but if they work against you they could cost you a lot of money as well very interesting stuff thank you very much a very busy week ahead have a good weekend a restful weekend i think i'm gonna need given the week that we've got coming absolutely craig Allen, thanks very much indeed thank you From the team behind Jazz FM's Business Breakfast, a daily early morning 30-minute briefing for the day ahead. On air from 6am. Listen to Jazz FM on DAB, online or just ask Alexa.